The parish likes to, to look at kind of the bigger picture. A priest is an altar priest. They just go, go, go. In the zeal full of Jesus Christ. There is compassion for poor people. And it has this beautiful historic church. Heaven coming down to earth. Thanks be to God. From the Rome of the West, this is the Catholic Gateway Podcast, your audio gateway into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. On each episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we'll tell the stories about the interesting people, places, and events that make up the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We'll also give an update on Catholic news, courtesy of the reporters from the St. Louis Review and Catholic St. Louis Magazine, the official publications of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So with trust in the Holy Spirit, let's begin. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. My name is Gabe Jones and I am your host. On this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast, we have two interviews for you. We're going to hear from Dave Luking, a reporter with the St. Louis Review who has been doing some back-to-school stories. So we're going to talk to him about some of the things he's seen going out, talking with students and the principals and teachers at some of our Catholic schools here in the Archdiocese. But first, I have an interview with Sister Marisha Weber. She is doing a series of presentations on technology and how it's impacting our brains, especially young kids. So we're going to jump right into that interview with Sister Marisha. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Catholic Gateway Podcast. So I am here with Sister Marisha Weber, Director of Consecrated Life for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, but also... Uh, a very educated woman who uh, knows a lot more than I do, has gone to a lot more school than I have, (laughs) and um, specifically as a um, a psychiatrist. So, Sister Marisha, thank you for coming on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Thank you for your invitation. Delighted to be here. Yes. um, Tell us a little bit about your background so that people tuning in and listening to this know, you know, just how smart you are. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm smart. I do have some education, however, and I'm glad to put it to service in a variety of ways. Um, I am a medical doctor and um, have training as a family practitioner and then went on to be board certified in psychiatry and neurology at the Mayo Clinic and then have practiced at our medical clinic in Michigan where my mother house is for 25 years, which is where I had a lot of experience of um, interfacing with professionals, school teachers, principals, persons in other professions, as well as seminarians and priests, looking at the evolution of electronic media Mm -hmm. from 1991, when the internet became Available. Which we just recently celebrated. Yes, 25 years. It's crazy. It's not much younger than I am, so I'm dating myself, but it's really not. To the present time. And I became interested in looking at the effect of electronic media in the neurophysiology of the brain and in human behavior as well as um, physical health when I began to see changes in individuals that were coming to my practice for treatment, okay, and what I was hearing from teachers. So there's so you've kind of been on the cusp of as as the world has been changing and all this new technology, 
you've been right there along with it, seeing it develop and grow and people change and, and how this is affecting people, right? Yes. So you're doing um, a series of presentations uh, at St. Gerard Magella over in Kirkwood, right? Yes. Uh, to address some of this stuff and the, the issues and the studies that have been done. Um, so can you explain a little bit, maybe, obviously you're doing a six, is it six classes, right? It, it's a six, six courses. It's a six session mini series. Mm-hmm. I've already done three of them and I have three more to go. The mm-hmm. next one is September 17th and I'll focus in that presentation on internet gaming. Then the one that is in November um, will address some of the effects on, on learning and education. And then there's one also on December 3rd, which will kind of wrap up, you know, can we see the face of Jesus Christ in this um, digital world? Right. So I hope that some of you will come and join me. Right. We've had some great conversations with the persons that have attended the first three. Yeah, and I feel bad. I haven't been able to get out to any of these, but I feel like I've gotten so much of it just from conversations I've had with you over the past few weeks and uh, and discussing some of these issues. So for those maybe who, who are thinking about maybe coming to one of these presentations or maybe have come to one or whatever, I mean, you can teach a college class about a semester long or even two semesters worth of content on this topic. So can we condense that down to a 15-minute interview? Can you hit, get, get some of the highlights okay. for somebody listening to the podcast? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot, a lot of information. I think if I wanted to offer some key points, um, I want to talk about the human brain. So the development of the human brain involves both the frontal lobe and also what is called at the center of the lobe of the pleasure center. And those are two very, very significant portions of the brain. For example, the center of the brain, which is the pleasure center, that's where a child, developing child, most accesses um, because they need to be fed, they need to be clothed, and so it's the emotional connection with the caregiving parent. When we develop some capacity to speak or interact, we need to then access what is called the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is right behind the, the forehead, so mm. to speak. And that's, that's why people do the, uh, that's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. <laughs> and that's where we can reason, we can reflect, we can decide if something is harmful or helpful. And that path needs to be walked. And the brain is made up of a hundred million nerve cells that have over a hundred times one billion connections. So that's a lot of connections, (laughs) but they need to be developed. So if you don't use it, you're not gonna develop it. So when when I was in in Michigan, they were building a a new building on Michigan State University campus, but they didn't want the kids to be walking all over the grass and running it down. Mm -hmm. So they let them walk wherever they wanted to walk to get into that new building. And then wherever the kids walked, that's where they put the sidewalks. Mm and they put the grass on the other side. Well, our brain is very similar. Once we walk the path of these thoughts, that's what we begin to develop. Mm -hmm. So that's very key, and we all go through that. What we're learning with electronic media, you know, games, for example, that are kind of exciting, um, when we feel a little excitement, you know, even when we get a positive email, we get a little spritz of dopamine. 
and um, then we want to hopefully get another set of good news. You're like your child got an A on, um, you know, they're sending you a little Facebook message or mm -hmm. or a tweet. Mom, I got an A on my <laughs> my test that I had worked so hard. So wow, this is great. And then you get a few other Facebook messages, you know, not too interesting. And then you get another, you know, great message from a friend that has been working to get um, a job promotion and she's got it and you've been praying and you're excited. So you find yourself wanting to check your cell phone, check your Facebook, you know, maybe you got a little tweet. So what's happening here that we're checking something, hoping to get something that we look forward to as being positive? That's called operant conditioning. Remember your high school class? Yeah, way, way back when. Way <laughs> back when. <laughs> Remember Pavlov's dogs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he set down food and rang a bell, and the dogs went for the food. Then he set down food, rang a bell, the dogs began to salivate, knowing food was coming. Then he rang the bell, but didn't set down food, and the dogs salivated. So they began to associate something totally unrelated, the ring of the bell, with food. This is what is happening with some of these quick little messages that we're receiving. We are being conditioned right. to look for something that gives us a little pleasure. Yeah. Well, and in our modern world, we're really bombarded with this stuff, whether it's Facebook notifications or text messages, or phone calls, even, you know, Old, old timers, you know, voicemails, right? Who uses voicemail? You know, the, all these different things yes. that, that, that bombard us with these different messages and notifications and things. It really can be overwhelming. Yes. And teens today, their most common mode of communication is, you all know the answer, texting. Mm -hmm. And so they prefer to text than actually talk to one another. You know, we can go to a school ground, I'm sure the teachers will attest to this, um, and this is already happening in the, in, the, in the grade schools, where you can have four boys, quote, hanging together, but they're all on their own cell phones, texting, not truly talking to one another. We're also learning that kids, teenagers, are having difficulty appreciating nonverbal cues. And depending on the study, 50% to 80% of the depth of a message that's being communicated is communicated non-verbally right. by the facial expression, by the tone of voice, by the body posture. But these kids are not being engaged this way anymore, so they don't know how to read some of those. Wow. And really, I mean, as Catholics, we know that we are made, we're more than just the words we speak. Yes. Uh, and really the, the essence of being human is more than just what we read or, or, or even hear or see. There's so much more to being a human. So as, as a Catholic, as a, as a sister, um, what are some things, either you know, some advice, I guess, you can give us, some thoughts, maybe for those out there to reflect upon our use and consumption of media um, as we live? I mean, you can't escape it these days. So what are some things people could, could think of and reflect on uh, in their use of, of media and technology? I think we really need to engage our intellect, our prefrontal lobe. You know, if you think of an inverted triangle, you know, and if you have on one um, corner, one angle, the, the passions or the emotions, and on the other, you have the intellect. 
That's our executive function. We are the only creatures that God created that has the capacity to reflect and then make willed choices. And for those of us who are Jesuit educated, reflection is a huge deal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And then at the, at the bottom um, of the triangle, we would say the will. And St. Thomas Aquinas would say the will is blind. By that he means it's not moved by itself. We either move our will to action by our emotions, and we cut off our intellect if we don't engage our intellect, or we engage our intellect to temper our emotions to move our will to an action that we really want to take because we've reflected on something as being better or harmful or best with experience and judgment and reasonability. That's what makes mm -hmm. us human. Right. That makes us create in God's image and likeness. So what we need to do is really engage those interpersonal skills. We're created for relationship. Right. We were created to love and be loved and to know and be known. And how is it that we can do that? But by taking time to, instead of having your child come home and play some kind of game on an app while you're preparing dinner and catching the news while your husband, and I, I apologize, it could be you know the opposite, <laughs> um, is catching up on emails, invite your child to help you set the table. Invite your child to maybe help cut some vegetables for dinner. Now, yes, he's going to slow you, or if it's your daughter, she's going to slow you down. But there's something that's happening now interpersonally that is very important, the human bonding. You're teaching some human interactive skills. And then when you sit around the table, ask them about their day. Um, there's one family that I know where each day they did this, and they're, um, they say if they've gotten how many roses or thorns they've had. And they're one little girl, it's four years old. And so one day she said, I am glad to tell you that my rose is that I had no thorns today. <laughs> but it's a way for the children even to begin to reflect on what right. happened and why was it good or better or best, and then to share it with the older siblings and the parents, and then to discuss, well, where was God here? What is it that you might want to do to bring virtue into your life? And what is a virtue? And how does it make you feel when you engage in an act of kindness, when somebody maybe was mean to you? Take time, you know, to do some physical activity, garden together, go on a hike, um, really engage with the real world around us. That is what we're finding, even in the secular studies, when they're saying, what do we do? Well, we engage in the ways we used to before the internet were so pervasively in our world, but now actually in our imagination. That's why it's addictive. With regards to other chemicals, with regards to alcohol or street drugs, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, mental health caregivers know that those can be addictive, but it's something you take in. But never before did we anticipate something that was only taken in by the eyes. But mm -hmm. when you think of all the senses, the eye is one of the most sensitive senses that we have. Right. And once it's in our eyes, it's stored in our imagination. That's why it's difficult to be free of an addiction that has been created by this electronic media. We now have a population of individuals that are addicted that never were so pervasively addicted across the world, right. across culture, limited. across religion, yeah. across wow. any stratus of, of economic um, uh, wellness or, or, or impoverishment, and that is teenagers. Hmm. Teenage boys, in particular, have gotten wounded 
We know how internet pornography is wanting them. Teenage boys in particular have become addicted to online gaming, which is the next topic I'm going to talk about in my presentation on September Perfect. 17th. So people need to come out and listen to this, right? I, I yeah. think it'd be a great opportunity to learn about some facts that have affected all of us. Now, not all of us have become addicted, but it's affecting our neurophysiology, our neurophysiology. It's also affecting our interpersonal skills and even our capacity for attention. So I'm going to talk about that. And even the next one in November, looking how you know the multitasking is actually reducing our capacity to really uh, think and attend to something and then integrate material that has been presented to us and how this is affecting our learning. We so value education as Catholics and how that's maybe eroding away at some of the processes in the brain because the frontal lobe is not as well developed because we're not accessing it as much. Mm -hmm. Remember, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it right. or you're going to weaken right. it. Yeah. Well, is there... Uh, might hear what you're saying. Somebody out there might hear what you're saying and think, okay, well, technology's bad. I'm just going to disconnect completely. I'm going to turn everything off. I'm going to get rid of the TV and the computers and cell phones and all that stuff. No. Is there a safe amount of this? Well, it's hard to say the exact amount, mm -hmm. but I think that anything in moderation, which is what our Catholic faith teaches us. So if we have the interpersonal connections, if we are connecting with our environment, in our, in our yard, the hiking, the eating, the discussion at table, and engaging in learning skills, then how much internet access, gaming, you know, it's going to be up to each family to determine. Mm -hmm. But when it's not determined and there's not a, a plan set up, it can take over. And we know kids that are involved in internet gaming 20, 40 hours a week, yeah. or there's so much in front of a screen that they're, they're not developing that other part of the brain. So, no, absolutely. The, the Internet has allowed us to access libraries, to access information. Mm -hmm. It's helped um, um, kids with asthma or other medical illnesses learn how to address it. It's allowed us to connect with people all over the world. FaceTime allows us to connect with relatives in mm -hmm. another part of the world. Yeah. So there's some wonderful uses, and I would never think that we would not want to have that accessibility. But yet, what are we using it for? I think that's key. When we think of Pope Francis in a recent World Day message, he said, the internet is something truly good, a gift from God. But he also cautioned that high-speed world of digital social media needed calm, reflection, and tenderness if it was to be a network not of wires, but of people. Mm. And that's really, I think, a very Catholic way to think of it, right? I mean, we're moderation. You know, you can you can use these tools that that God has blessed us in this day and age to have, uh, as long as you use it in the proper way, which goes for everything, right? As a, living as a you know the, the moral life as a Catholic requires us to say, yes, you can eat that piece of chocolate, just don't eat twenty of them, right? You know, Amen. It's the same way with the internet and technology, right? It's that moderation understanding there are limits and there need to be limits. And I, I like what you said earlier about uh, you need to have a plan, right? So a family needs to say X amount of hours on this. Or when we, uh, I've heard Sister Helena Burns, uh, she said uh, for, for a Catholic family, you know, three places that screens should not be. Uh, meals, mass, and a master bedroom. Yes. And really just any bedroom, I guess. But 
those 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 places because it's so important. Those yes. are the times we really interact with people yes. and join as as one body. You yes. know, with other Catholics, with our families, with our spouse. Yes, that's a very Catholic principle. Th all things in moderation, but as a psychiatrist that also befits our Catholic faith. I, I think in terms of what is an appropriate time, an appropriate place, an appropriate person, an appropriate situation. Mm -hmm. That gives us an orientation. Mm -hmm. You know, mental health caregivers, if you're oriented to reality, these are the four spheres that you look at. And so I'd like to say, you know, what are places where you would not want to have any screen time? And I think certainly, you know, in the bedroom, kids are having problems with their sleep or, or mm -hmm. adjusting the sleep patterns. Also the intimacy between a man and wife. Also at mass, mm -hmm. you know, we want to really be present to our Lord in those settings. Um, and, and meals. And meals, yes, yeah. yes. And so those places are places that should have the sanctity of the personal relationship. That's right. what we were created for. God right. created us to know and be known and love and be loved. And we need to capitalize on those times. Again, we don't need a lot of time to do those things, but they are such jewel treasured times that if we engage in them where we have them, then I think we're gonna be enriched humanly, interpersonally, and that's what really happiness and real freedom is about. Well, that's a beautiful way to say it. So what are, what are those dates again so people can come out and hear your presentations on this topic? September 17th, November 12th, and December 3rd. Look forward to having you there. Love to engage in conversations with you. We're having some great, great discussions. Definitely. Sister Marisha, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, I'm here in the, uh, the pristine Catholic Gateway podcast studios in the, the basement of the Cardinal Regali <laughs> Center here with um, with Dave Luking from the St. Louis Review. And he uh, this, is, this is your first time on the Catholic Gateway Podcast, yes, so indeed. welcome. Yes, uh, indeed. Welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad to be in this awesome uh, facility, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the, that's the beauty of audios, right? The people listening don't know, don't have to see it. So. That's right. <laughs> um, but so Dave, is uh, he covers a lot of the education beat for the Archdiocese of St. Louis and you know, things happening in the schools here. And so I wanted to bring him on, obviously, with school starting, and, and uh, most of all the schools, I guess, by now have started mm -hmm. in the Archdiocese. And he's been out to a few of them to talk uh, to the students and the principals and the teachers and, and uh, see some of their opening day festivities and other things that they're, they're doing as they get this new school year going. So, Dave, um, the, the one recent story I remember seeing a couple weeks ago was the uh, uh, St. Anthony School in Sullivan and some fun stuff they did to uh, to welcome kids back for the new year. Yeah, they gave them uh, the, basically the red carpet treatment. It was like, uh, you know, the Hollywood red carpet. Kids walk in on the red carpet and they got the... The music playing in the background, uh, among them Cool and the Gang, it's a celebration. I've wanted to get that in the paper for some time, it, and this gave me an excuse to uh, mention Cool and the Gang. And, and anybody who knows you and has read your articles knows you try to sneak in references, cultural exactly, references all the time. Exactly. So I, I got Cool and the Gang in the uh, in the St. Louis Review. I don't know if they've been in any other uh, archdiocese and paper, but who, who knows, maybe somewhere. But it was, it was a fun event for the kids, you know, Walking the red carpet, high fiving the teachers, getting hugs from the teachers, uh, just the the joy of returning to school. And one thing the principal said in terms of doing it was that uh, the first day of school was like kind of bland, you know, that it was kind of like a no normal day. Everybody showed up and you had class, but she has wanted to do something special, and something special was the red carpet treatment. And 
it, it was uh, fun to be there because, like, normally if you would hear about that, you would just a line in the story. It would say, St. Anthony School welcomed the students back with the red carpet treatment. You could tell a little bit about Hollywood and things of that nature. But by being there, you, you get the sights and the sounds of the event. You hear Cool and the Gang playing in the background, along with, a, you know, some Christian songs and, 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 and other tunes. But you hear that, and then you also get to see the, the joy and the, I want to, glee almost of the kids first day of school. They're excited. Their parents are excited. And the parents are taking pictures of them on the red carpet, just like the paparazzi, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, you're and you're also there. We went from classroom to classroom. They were doing they weren't really doing a lot of special things in the classroom, just getting organized, ready for the day. But uh, in, in one of the classrooms, the kids are sharpening their pencils and putting stuff away and whatnot. And the teacher uh, went up to a what well, was with a girl who was new to the school and, and to the class and asked her, are you nervous? And, you know, the little girl said, well, of course she was nervous. And so then um, the teacher said, well, you're not alone. Everybody's nervous, but I assure you things are going to be okay. And that you get, by being on the scene, you get those little anecdotes, that little color that you wouldn't get otherwise. And one of the funny things was uh, one of the rooms is a Star Wars theme. Ooh. And I have a picture of Mary next, a statue of Mary next to a lightsaber. So... <laughs> I don't think Mary needs a lightsaber, but probably you know, not. Probably. It's it's there if she uh, she ever needs it. <laughs> That's good. Well, there's a picture on our Instagram feed actually for the archdiocese with mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know it's the year of mercy, and uh, so I actually had photoshopped a lightsaber in Pope <laughs> Francis's hand, uh -huh. and uh, you know he said uh, the quote on the on the picture is I find your lack of mercy disturbing. You know? There so, you go. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, so that's pretty fun. good. The yeah. blending of the two worlds. Yeah. Uh, well, that's cool. That is, um, you know, the first day of school is nervous, like you said. Oh, you know, yeah. It can be a nerve-wracking experience yeah. for some of these kids. So that's really cool they do that to welcome them. Right. And, you know, they had four or five new kids, you know, and it makes them feel special, you know, and they don't get that treatment any other time. And, well, they, they may get but you know, first day of school, they don't get that treatment. Mm -hmm. So I know, like you know, when I was going to school, we never did anything terribly special. You know, we look at the syllabus and all right, here yeah, you go. I just remember crossing the street, and I lived fortunately across the street from school, and crossed the street and went to school, and yeah. there was nothing uh, to it. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't have any first day ice cream socials right. or, or things of that nature. Well, um, I, you know, you've got some other things we're working on, some other back-to-school stories mm -hmm. that are coming out in the review uh, next week or the next couple of weeks. Uh, can you kind of preview those a little bit and, and yeah. tell us um, what you're working on? Marion Middle School has received a quarter of a million dollar grant, and they, they've received money. They're going to receive it all up front. So they got uh, $250,000 to redo their uh, STEM labs. So they're going to totally remake... Uh, they're STEM classrooms, and the the one unique thing I went to the school, the the rooms they're using, and the one room had one outlet, plug plug in one electric, power outlet. one power outlet. It was above the uh, chalkboard, so it was very inaccessible. <laughs> and now they're they're redoing it with proper lab tables and you know proper outlets out throughout the room, mm -hmm. and it, it's good. It's a real neat thing. The Borges Family Foundation has done this, and. Uh, you know, there it's uh, the old uh, school, Holy Family, I believe it was in uh, uh, top, by Tower Grove Park. Mm -hmm. It's a vintage, you know, 1940s or 
earlier building, but they're bringing it in, you know, into 2016, and the students are going to have, you know, modern conveniences to to learn about STEM, like extra power outlets. Yeah, outlets, yeah, <laughs> the, you know, state of the art power outlets. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's it's a good thing because um, you know STEM. It's kind of the, there needs the women, you know, the the it's skewed way toward the males. So this is an opportunity for uh, the young women to learn about the science and technology fields, learn it firsthand, and perhaps get interested in it, and you know pursue careers in it. Yeah, and, and, and Marion Middle is a great place to do that. Can you explain for maybe somebody who's listening who doesn't know what Marion Middle School yeah, is? Yeah, Marion Middle School was a uh, uh, is a school put together by. A group of sisters, religious organizations. I believe it was eleven of them, but they founded it uh, in the '90s to teach young women, and you know, from fifth through eighth grade, and you know, to get the Catholic education and uh, you know, all housed together, and and then hopefully advancing on to high school and whatnot. And one neat thing that Mary Middle School does, it follows them through high school. And then through college to make sure they're they're staying on track and things of that nature. So wow. they just don't like send them out the door eighth grade graduation. Congratulations, so good luck. You know, uh, they follow them throughout high school and college, and hopefully it, they'll they'll come back and mentor other other girls. That's awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. it sounds like they're doing great stuff at, at yes. Mary Middle yeah, School. Yeah, I I've been there several times, and I I totally get that vibe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's really. I guess, in a way, some of the best work the Archdiocese does is in places like that. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, Cardinal Ritter is another example. Um, you know, and basically all the Catholic schools, I think, are doing a good mm -hmm. job. And interestingly, I've talked to several principals who have worked in public schools, and they worked uh, in Catholic, Catholic schools along the way, and then they go to public schools, and it's funny, the one principal talked about being in a, a public school and said uh, she was teaching littler kids and she started talking about the flood and Noah. Mm -hmm. And then she caught herself and goes, oh, oh, I can't talk about that. So she went on to it and changed the subject. And she lasted one year in a public school and came back to Catholic schools. Wow. And another principal was like that as well. Just wanted to test the waters, see mm -hmm. what it's like in public schools. but just came back to Catholic schools just because they enjoy the atmosphere. That's great. Well, we're really proud of our Catholic schools here in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. So uh, besides the Marion Middle School story, anything else we can look forward to uh, from you? Well, a lot of, uh, I'm doing a teacher development story and I just won't, I won't uh, spoil it too much, but a lot of people get the impression that teachers spend the summer sitting around the pool and getting suntans, but um, teachers actually go back to school, college, they take college courses, get certifications, and attend uh, workshops to enhance their professional skills. And they bring that sk those skills back to the classroom. And it, it, it's kind of a neat thing that they do. They don't, and it's, in fact, you know, the students, the Society seems to move so fast these days, and the teachers are working as well as the students to keep up, you know, um, the, 
learning is ongoing and it's ongoing for the students it's ongoing for the teachers right. as well and especially with the you know new technologies and ways of doing things yeah and, exactly you know, i remember when i was in high school smart boards were kind of new mm -hmm. and you know those are everywhere now so yeah we had old school chalkboards yeah, what are back, those yeah i don't know <laughs> dust all over the right. classroom we had to clean them with the uh, spray things on the cloth and clean it right. at, or you could see every yeah, day. yesterday's notes on it, there. <laughs> exactly exactly that's funny well so anything else um we haven't covered in this in this episode well you know one thing one neat story i did recently uh well i d just did it was the uh the olympian deanna price returning oh, yeah. to her uh -huh. grade school her alma mater immaculate conception of old monroe and it was set up to be like an hour and a half she was gonna meet for a half hour with three classes kindergarten through second grade and then third grade through fifth and then sixth through eighth it was going to take an hour and a half but deanna i mean what a what a great what a great person and role model but she came and she did what sport again she hammer throw hammer throw she would finish eighth in the olympics uh in rio and you know you think she didn't medal but she's only 23 and hammer throwers kind of peak around 30 ish you know so uh, it's looking pretty good for her down the line if she you know when she keeps up the training and doesn't get injured and avoids uh those kind of pratfalls but anyway she came to school early she served lunch for the kids and then she stayed late. She saw the kids off at the end of the school day and the you know, right outside the front and saying goodbye to the kids, waving to the parents, picking them up. And, and so I finally left. It was four hours. She stayed another hour after that, spending time in the principal's office, just talking to whatever kids came in. And basically it was an hour and a half appearance turned into five hours. She graduated from the school. So uh, and she knows a lot of the people in the area still, and you know she's only uh, nine years removed from school. So, I mean, it was it's it's such a great thing to see. And she also talked about the importance of God and faith in her life, and that was part of her message with to each classroom. You know, you got to be a good person, you got to be kind, and praying to God always makes things better. Right. And it was it was just a, a great experience to see. And that's another case where. You know, you can write a sentence in a story and say, for Olympian Deanna Price went to her old grade school, visited for five hours, blah, blah, blah. But being there, you can hear, you, you get a tenor, you get a, uh, you get her tenor, you understand it. You also see the uh, students react with her. And one, one little shaver, he was a first grader and said, you got big muscles, you know. <laughs> and then there was another girl, fourth grader, they're talking about uh, Deanna spins four times in the circle and throws a hammer. And the little girl said she practiced it at home and fell down in, in her bedroom. So, you know, the kind of neat little anecdotes you get by being at the scene. Yeah. You know. That's kind of fun. And some of those, you know, don't always make it into the paper. But. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, for the three that I used, there were countless others yeah. that could have gone in right. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Well, um, that's just kind of an example of, of uh, you know, the products we have coming out of Catholic schools, how, how awesome, you know, they can go on to do awesome things. Yeah. And, and uh, it's really neat to hear that she has really a lot of dedication to her alma mater and wants to come back and help out. Exactly. Even serving lunch, right? Exactly, so just, exactly. Helping out, you know, cool. and seeing, them, seeing the kids off at the end of the school day. Well, Dave, uh, thank you so much for coming on the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Uh, obviously, all Dave's stories are in the St. Louis Review and online at stlouisreview.com. Uh, what? Uh, how can people find you on Twitter? You're on Twitter, right? Yes, I'm Legacy Catholic. Legacy Catholic. Mm -hmm. Well, find Dave on Twitter and, and follow him. He'll, uh, I'm sure he'll follow you back. So. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the Catholic right. Gateway Podcast. It's been a pleasure.
I'm with Stephen Kempf, Assistant Director of Publications for the St. Louis Review, here to talk about what we can look forward to seeing in the St. Louis Review this week and in the near future. Stephen, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. So one of the things that we have uh, in this week's paper is uh, the second in a series of columns from Archbishop Robert J. Carlson. He's talking about the importance of forming one's conscience for voting. Um, He says that, rightly, that not all issues carry the same weight. And he talks about how we can form an objective scale for weighing these different issues. He talks a lot about, you know, intrinsic, intrinsically evil acts such as abortion and euthanasia and stuff. So it's really good. Check it out. Make sure you come back for the next several weeks, too. Um, another story that, that, was, that turned out to be really great is uh, Deanna Price was a Olympic hammer throw in Rio and hammer thrower, hammer thrower in Rio, and she came back to visit her alma mater, Immaculate Conception School in Old Monroe. She talked to the students, and one of the things that was that was kind of funny is she shared this story about how she ran into Michael Phelps in the elevator at the Olympic Village, and he was trying to hide, but she told him, I see you, Michael, I know who you are, but you don't know who I am, but someday you will. So, I mean, that was just kind of a funny story, but her, her story on her faith and how she's open to sharing that and everything with the students and, you know, talked about going to the uh, chapel at the Olympic Village. It's just a very faith-filled and inspiring story. Um, and then our Living Our Faith this week is about Labor Day uh, and how the Catholic Church teaches that all humans have the right to work and have the right to dignified work. So we talked to several people in our archdiocese who are living that out in their work lives. So what can readers of the St. Louis Review look forward to seeing maybe the next couple weeks? Sure. So next week is our annual back-in-school section where we kind of profile some of the the great work that our Catholic schools are doing. We've got stories about high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, and PSRs. So, uh, but even with that, we we have several stories. We're not even scratching the surface of how great our schools are in our archdiocese. We're so blessed to have them. And I, I you know, with my daughter starting kindergarten, I'm really really excited about the next several years of uh, Catholic education in my family. And uh, then going forward, at the end of September, on September 26th, we have our annual Jubilarian section, where we profile, this year we're going to have more than 250 priests and men and women religious who are celebrating a notable anniversary of religious life. It's really inspiring to, uh, to see the variety of work our priests and men and women religious have done in service to the Lord. Reading the profiles, and I actually did read all 250 plus of them. It took, it took a while, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was great work, and it's just, it's just great to see the, uh, their, their dedication and, and, and service. Sounds great, Stephen. Thank you for the work you do with the St. Louis Review, and um, obviously people need to get a subscription, right? Yes, they do. Definitely check it out online. If you, uh, if you don't have a subscription, stlouisreview.com, but definitely subscribe. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. Make sure to follow the Archdiocese of St. Louis on social media. You can find us on Facebook, also Twitter, at ArchSTL is our handle, at ArchSTL. You can also find the Archdiocese of St. Louis on Instagram and also the St. Louis Review. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Their handle is St. Louis Review, at St. Louis Review, and they are also on Instagram as well. So please follow all these important Archdiocese accounts and stay up to date with what's going on here in the Rome of the West, the, uh, the gateway to the West, Catholic St. Louis. This is Gabe Jones, your host, and I hope you'll keep listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Gateway Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next time. The Catholic Gateway Podcast is a production of the Archdiocese of St. Louis.